Hey, Christopher, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I Before we start, yeah, I don't know if you remember, but I was telling you about the whole pandemic and what am I going to do during this pandemic time with, with the kids because they're at the house all, right, all yeah. the time. Damn kids. Do you remember what I said? Uh, you were trying to switch things up a little bit. I don't remember. Yeah, what I said, well, let's learn some new instruments and learn how to be rock stars. <laughs> Do you remember you that? Said that? You said that. You didn't tell me that. You said that to your kids that you wanted them to be. You want your kids to be rock stars. Well, I said. What Have you we, seen how that works out for people? <laughs> it doesn't always work out. It, believe not me, often. I think about that. More often than not, it does not work out for people. What about? I mean, there are how many deadbeat musicians do you know? Oh, you that's must true. know a lot more than I do, and I know a lot of deadbeat musicians. Well, interesting. I know a lot of engineers that are musicians, but they have a day job. They do have a day well, job, and that's kind of important. That's the funny thing. This is kind of related. When I was young, I, what do we I, do about that dog? Uh, love him. I don't, love dogs. Don't worry about it. This is Coronado, man. I live in Coronado, the Coronado neighborhood of, I was about to say New York for some reason, Phoenix. If you don't like dogs, don't come here. <laughs> I think that's We love dogs and we love cats. And, you know, if you don't have a dog in Coronado, you're, just, you're doing it wrong. Anyway, as I was saying, talking about deadbeat musicians, when I, when I was a young lad, I, I fancied that I'd be a great painter someday, a great artist. <laughs> And so I, I, I actually went to school and thinking I was going to study painting. Thankfully, I got diverted into design, something useful. But I remember not thinking how hard it would be to be a successful artist. There are very few really successful artists or even moderately successful artists. But it hit me one day when I started thinking about how, how terrible it must be to be a writer and spend all that time learning how to write and then writing. And then, you know, you hear so few writers actually make it through. And then it hit me wait, one day. It's like, wait a second. How would that be any different from artists? Oh, right. So, you know, I, I wasn't able to see it until I saw it from outside that being trying to be a, a fine artist, sculptor or painter is not a quick trip to success. No, you're no. likely going to fail. Uh, so I wasn't the best high school student. <laughs> so I had to do junior college um, in south of Los Angeles called uh, El Camino College. Really? Yeah. <laughs> they had their own truck. That's amazing. Their own what? C- truck. The El Camino. <laughs> Anyways, the El Camino, El Camino College where I went. And so I loved drawing, especially with pencil. And I loved architecture and I loved drawing architecture. So I thought, hey, architect, right? Yeah. You know, just like Hitler. No, I don't think I yeah, remember he, he studied architecture. He wanted, I thought it was they, art. They rejected him from, I think it was architecture. He, they rejected him from uh, architect, architecture I think he was school. a painter. Well, he was painting, but it was, he painting was architecture. Well, that's very similar because that's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> the really disturbing thing I've seen his paintings, the disturbing I have thing too. was his, the, the, uh, the buildings were rendered pretty well, but the people were not. I mean, it was like you look at these paintings and you know there's something wrong with this person. Oh, really? I don't yeah. think I've noticed that. Because he, 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 <laughs> he clearly developed talent to paint, but he just couldn't do people. Oh. Well, that might be, might have been me also. Oh, God. Here oh, I, no. I'm I know. trying not to make it look like you're Hitler, but you know, <laughs> I'm kind of walking right into it. it. Always goes to Hitler. I don't know why. Because <clears throat> it's being brought up so much in the news lately. Anyways, so I'm in, I'm sitting there and I go, you know, I'm going to become a, I'm, I'm sorry, I get it. I start my... I start El Camino College and I say, I'm going to become an architect. So I start taking these drafting classes because that's the first step. Usually, you know, you learn how to make blueprints, mm-hmm. which I didn't really have a problem with. It was awesome. I'd sit there all day and draw and draw and we'd practice. And then you take another class and you do more. And I went through the whole drafting program so that I could someday hopefully go to a, a university where they would let me be an architect. And I was sitting there in class. It was a beautiful weather outside. And I was just sitting there doing my drawings. And I looked around the room and I noticed in in an unusual way, I noticed there were only men in this room and one unattractive female. And, and I had remember the professors or instructors saying, you know, it's a long way to the top. Um, you got to put in a lot of hours, you got to, and then maybe you still won't ever be able to come up with your own creations. And I remember thinking, do I really want to sit in a big room with a bunch of men for 10, 15 years on a maybe that I'll be able to someday do something that I want to do? And the answer was no. (laughs) That makes sense because I think there's a lot of drudgery, especially when it was a lot of manual drafting. Um, The funny thing is though that the arc, I've known a few architects and the architects I know that do their own stuff are though not the ones who wait for 10 or 15 years to get, you know, their, their bona fides 
to get to work their way up. It's the ones who just right out of the gate try to do their own thing. I don't think I've ever noticed and that. And it is a tough road to hoe. I tell you, I mean, I knew a very creative guy, one of the few architects I didn't dislike. I actually liked him. Um, I dislike <laughs> most architects because if I don't know if you've seen their work, but I think modern architecture is pretty terrible. Um, anyway, this guy, uh, he had a really tough time uh, getting his own work out there, but he, he that's all he wanted to do, though, so that's all he did, and he was, he was successful eventually. Can we plug him? No, I don't know where he is today. <laughs> I don't know. I He's just, not I that feel, good of a friend. No, well, I haven't, I haven't spoken to him in oh, all right. 15 years. Just well, because, you know, I, we, we, we were friendly, but we weren't like close friends. Well, in Phoenix here, we have a lot of interesting architecture, I think. so. For And I think a lot of it gets unnoticed. So, for example, there's a, a dead mall called Metro Center. Huh. And there's this place that's like this rotating restaurant every so many years. It was last a soup and salad place, but it has these beautiful art deco kind of look to it. And it's this oval building. Do you know which one I'm talking about? No. Uh, that's fine. So, but the, also we have some interesting stuff here too, because we have all these, every now and then you'll come across an upside down pyramid. There's, a, I think there's like three or four of them here scattered around town. Well, one we, in Tempe, one off of Central. Frank Lloyd Wright. And obviously. then we have, yeah. And then that whole financial center there off of Camelback has all that interesting kind of architecture from like, I guess most of it's from the 60s. Maybe. Well, there's a the financial place down on Central and I want to say Thomas. There are two round buildings and there's another tower behind Oh, it. I thought that was Camelback. You're right. You're oh, right. That, that is what I'm talking about. about. Yeah, that's oh, not yeah. Camelback. It's like a bank or something. No, no, it's a financial center. But do you know who designed all that? No. Sarmiento. <laughs> forwarding those. Anyways, I, in Phoenix, there's just a lot of interesting things and they just rebuilt, they just created the, uh, the, you have, I was talking about this with somebody else the other day. They just created the University of Arizona building, that huge copper. It's a beautiful building. It reminds me of a mountain, the one on 7th Street and McDowell. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. It's 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 on Seventh Street. Is and it is it a rectilinear building? But it's a copper, giant copper building. But the copper is like kind of wavy. Yeah, I think that's ugly. Oh, what do don't you, you like, like that? I do. Oh, okay. Well, what, what don't you like about it? You're wrong. Um, just that it's ugly. Now is at the point you were supposed to laugh at me. What? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> cue, on cue. I don't know. I just I keep passing and saying, "Wow, that." I mean, it's it's not boring. At least it's not boring. No, it's. It, why I would hate, they cover I the really, I don't want to use the word hate. I really do not like all that new stuff that's popped up, up over there by Tempe, the Chrome City. Oh God. Yeah, I mean, I haven't looked at it that closely. I just keep thinking. Well, I keep thinking, reflections. <laughs> that's not the sunlight you don't want to reflect. It's just going to make everything hotter. Years ago, I was in Frankfurt, Germany, and I was looking around this industrial city, and I thought, my God. This is the ugliest city I've ever been to. <laughs> and they looked a lot. They looked that those buildings in Tempe look like newer versions oh. of the buildings I saw in Frankfurt. Well, f for one thing, that was a long time ago that I've been in Frankfurt. And to have new buildings look like something that was like left over from the 70s. For one thing, that chrome does not stay shiny forever. No? No. Well, you should be able to clean it. I'm sure the Germans keep it clean. They didn't in Frankfurt. Oh, really? Okay. Well, the problem with Frankfurt is an industrial town, so of I was, course you I was in mass Frank pollution. I was in Frankfurt in the early 90s, and I remember it being the least attractive city uh, that I visited in Europe, and we were, went to a lot of cities. And now. that's Frankfurt. Yeah, yeah but yeah, so it wasn't, I wasn't necessarily <laughs> saying it was ugly. But, uh, I, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, moving I don't on, use what, the word ugly very often, so. Oh, you kind of. Do I? I don't know. <laughs> Whenever you look at me, I know what you're thinking. Anyway, um, Maybe it's a look on my face. <laughs> you don't have to say it with words, Christopher. I know what you're thinking. All right. Let's, let me get a warmer so up again. Oh, we were, go ahead. I'm we sorry. were talking about deadbeat musicians. Was oh, there any I'm so sorry. No, no. I'm just wondering if there's any follow-up there because I, I took it on a different direction. You did. We bounced around for a while. I do not believe most musicians are deadbeat. I know that's this the stigma out there. I know so many musicians. They all work. I shouldn't say they all work. <laughs> most of them work. Or if they're not working in the music field, they're doing something else very productive and just happen to also be musicians. Okay, I was probably using the wrong term there. I was just, I was thinking of musicians who haven't made a go of it professionally. Yeah, it, you know, it's like it's, it's a hard it's a hard nut to crack. And I, I this is. Um, 
Ah, goes to my conservative roots. I believe in local over distribute, you know, centralized power. So I, I really don't like, I've never really, there are a lot of pop stuff that I dislike. I, I like, I dislike a lot of pop and popular music. Some of it I like, but most of it I just find so canned and droll. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's a completely wasted effort. We see we have so many fantastic musicians like literally down the street that you never hear of because they can't get the big record deals. And then if you don't get a big record deal, you're never going to hear them. Yeah. And so why can't we just listen to, you know, people in Phoenix or wherever you, wherever you are, you have amazing musicians all around you. And if we would just turn off these stupid radio stations that we have that everybody listens to the same horrible music. You'd find much better. I think you'd find much better. But that's music. the beauty of the internet now. I mean, you can find just about anything you want on the internet. Yeah, but re- the reality is, I think it's it's just become more of a powerhouse. For, more noise. Well, not more noise, but uh, it just seems to have reinforced the the big pop stars. Doesn't seem to have really. Yeah, uh, maybe it, I don't of know. Course, in in the old days of the internet, <laughs> uh, when the internet was a young boy, a young lad, like uh, you know, twenty years ago. Uh, there were some interesting websites like mp3.com in the early days was really interesting. You'd go there and find obscure bands and you would just listen to things and, and, and find things that, you know, weren't part of the popular culture scene. And I still have some music that I got from them in the early I'm so, days. I'm really surprised you feel that way. I thought for sure you were going to tell me, oh, today with the internet, you can anything. Cause that's how I feel. Everything's like right at your fingertips. Especially oh yeah, it is right at your fingertips. But it keeps it keeps pushing the popular stuff. It this does. is one of the reasons why we had Apple Music, a subscription service to Apple Music, for uh, several months. I finally got rid of it because I just couldn't take. I would try to. I would like pick you know pop eighties music. I know I just said I hate pop music, but I'm you know I think uh, that's when I grew up, so I'm nostalgic. So sometimes I wanted to listen to pop music from the eighties, and it just they would not stop playing rap on the pop eighties station. I'm like, wait a second, okay, popular, uh, yeah, but not that's. In the eighties, that wasn't what was on the radio for the most part, and and so Not they're the just radio they're just you listen to yeah okay, but they're just trying to yeah. But <laughs> when, when you try, you also try to. I was trying to teach the algorithm what I liked and what I didn't like, and didn't care. It didn't learn. So so my point being is that it just wants to feed you whatever is at the top of the the queue. The, yeah, well, whatever is popular, it yeah. just it, and it just keeps reinforcing what's popular. So I think I think it drowns out anything that's not popular, and. Every time a new so, so mp3.com at the in the early days was great. It was very eclectic, and it just became more and more corporate over the years, and less and less useful to me. And you know, eventually, it became useless, completely useless. And then I found this amazing website called lala.com, which would actually let you preview the whole song before you bought it. You could buy one song at a time. It was really a, a revolutionary for its day, and it had pretty good algorithms. Like you put in one thing, and it, it you know it doesn't just automatically divert you back to whatever's popular. The commercial crap. Yeah, it, you you can really spread out and spread through, sort of explore the the, the cosmos of music. And then you know what happened to Lala? I'm assuming it got bought out. It got bought by Apple and destroyed. Ah. Uh. So every time there's there's an opportunity to grow, grow something new, if it's successful, it gets destroyed. You need so, to start your own, James. <laughs> yeah, except I, I think it, as we've established, I have no good, I have terrible taste in music. So I guess maybe there is a niche for people who like really bad music. I think it's called all the commercial radio stations. Yeah, but why don't I, if, I'm so, if I have such a bad ear, why don't I like that stuff? I should, but I guess I need something with soul in it. <laughs> well, I don't know, does it matter? I, I listen to... Uh, should I say what I listen to now? I think I, I'm you, afraid to. Well, I mean, I, do, I have a pretty eclectic range, but the past couple of weeks, I don't know, maybe it's just because it's been a pretty difficult few weeks, but I've just been listening to Enya. Really? You know Enya? Enya? Yeah, I know. It's oh like my God. I'm glad possibly, you brought it up. Possibly the least masculine thing. Not the least masculine. There are probably less masculine okay, things to so listen to. Okay, so you said that's not your 80s music, and I, I started thinking, I worked in, and this is not going to surprise you, I worked in a lot of clothing stores in my late teens and early twenties and you get exposed to music that you might not normally Mm -hmm. listen to. And so a lot of the music that the, some of the fashionable clothing stores and not fashionable clothing stores that I worked at would play was music. I would never really listen to a lot of, um, like not rap, like rap, like you're talking about, like a lot of commercial stuff, right. That I probably would have never learned about if I hadn't heard it on the radio played over and over and over again in the store. But I got out of the clothing industry and moved in. I, well, I became a manager. This, I'm very young now. Like, I think I'm 23. I became a manager of a store called Natural Wonders. Do you remember this store? Nope. 
So it was a chain. It was mostly on the West Coast. So maybe mm-hmm. that's why. Probably not. And it, they sold like stones that were like crystals and uh, replicas of, of bones from oh, saber tooth tigers uh, yeah, and telescopes. Was, was this in a mall? Of course. Okay. I've been to stores like I that. Was, it, was, it was the late 80s and I was a mall rat. And so <laughs> I needed to work where the action was. So that's why I was Makes there. Sense. <laughs> so anyways, where I was going with this is we had to play Enya because we sold new age CDs. <laughs> and it was ridiculous. Guitaro? Pardon? Guitaro? That sounds familiar. What is that? Oh, it's, it's, um, there's no singing, so it's just instrumental. See, have you ever been into these like spiritual stores? They have a lot of them up in Sedona, okay. with, like, where they sell like oh, crystals yeah. and stuff. Yeah, you, you walk by them. Yeah. Oh no, I actually. So Natural Wonders was a commercial version of these uh-huh. mystic stores that yeah, you see yeah. out in the middle of nowhere, and uh, I really enjoyed working there. But um, I I started listening to Enya, and when I stopped working there is where I'm going with this. That was like. I miss Enya. <laughs> so I ended up buying CDs from the store that I quit oh, that's so funny. that I could hear more of the stuff that I did not necessarily like when I was working there. I, I got hooked and now I'm in love with her voice. Yeah. And I just saw, I was watching a movie and I thought, that sounds like Enya. And I looked at the credits and sure enough, it was her. What, do you remember what movie it was? I don't, but I bet you'll look it up for the notes. Well, she's been, I, I know one movie that she's been in because she's, uh, it's the, what name is it? of the name of the, I don't know if it's the name of the song. It's a far away, far and away, which was with Tom Cruise and his then wife, who was a tall, very famous, uh, well, certainly a better actress than he was actor, but, um, uh, you know, Nicole Kidman. Oh, right. And it's their story of coming over as Irish immigrants. And uh, I don't remember the, the film very well, but her, she has a, I, I need to stop just really quick. I need to get a little more coffee. Uh, yeah. But when I'll we come back, I just, I just really want to quickly talk about something that you had brought up, which Uh-oh. was you did not like. Hey, before we do break off, I just want to say, Enya is not the only music I listen to, or, or especially <laughs> from the 80s. I mean, I had a pretty eclectic taste. You know, there's Tom Petty and Billy Squires, we've mentioned before. Eurythmics, <laughs> I love the Eurythmics. Uh, the Cars, I don't know, it just keeps going are you on trying to? Are you trying to make it appear Bruce like you, you're cool? I'm a tough guy, man. I listen to Bruce Springsteen. Uh, yeah, I'm cool, man. Cause I listen to the right music. Well, I was going to say is last time or not last time. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about eye color and. How, oh my gosh. And yes. You okay. You want to pick this up you, after I get you, let me get you some coffee and we'll okay. pick you up on that. Pick right. up on that. All right. Thanks. Hi, this is Betsy. I want to tell you about the Children's Museum of Phoenix. If you're in Phoenix, planning to come to Phoenix, or just looking for something fun to do, check us out at the Children's Museum of Phoenix where you can come paint and climb and use your imagination. We're 100% fun and currently 100% outside. To find out more, visit us at childrensmuseumofphoenix.org. Hope to see you there. Have fun. Be playful. Pontiac Fiero. North America's only mid-engine, two-passenger production car. One of the top 10 cars for 2021 says Car and Driver Magazine. Fiero. Fuel-injected economical. Only by Pontiac. Pontiac builds excitement. Fiero. All right, so now you got your coffee. Is that good? It's it's looking a little light. <laughs> uh, well, I can get you another one if you want. No, you I'm good. Thank you. about everything, thank don't you? you. 16 ounces. What do you want? What do you expect? It, it coffee might look maniac. light because of all the cream I put in my coffee. So, you know, the funny thing you mentioned specifically, you mentioned this specifically, you said, you know, I was in California and, you know, I was watching... Uh, blue-eyed and brown, brown-eyed right, couples. Multi- Let me finish. Oh, sorry. Uh, and they were having, uh, you know, this genetic stuff is crazy because they were having kids with green eyes. That's right. You I specifically that. said, and it was so funny because I was doing some research on that as to follow up. Okay, and let's hear. If you have parents with brown eyes, yes, or one parent with brown eyes and blue eyes, you have like at least eighteen percent chance of having a green eye child. That's bizarre, right? And, no, and no, green is supposed to be the most uncommon color, right? Uh, I, don't I know, know people think blue is, but it's not. I, it's I don't green. know. It might be green. It, you know, it's it's kind of hard to to identify these things because there's a range of color, and once oh, you right. start getting to hazel, hazel can be green or 
my wife has hazel eyes. Right. And so they're a little bit more green, but sometimes they look like they're more blue. Well, I used to have army green eyes. That's insane. And then I've, I noticed over the years, they keep getting lighter and lighter. I, I even remember someone coming up to me and saying, you have the most beautiful blue eyes. I'm like, they're green. <laughs> I was going to say, there is not a fleck of green from what I see. Oh, they look blue to you right Absolutely now? Absolutely blue. Well. Like a gunmetal blue. Interesting. I'm sure, I'm sure you like. I, they continue to get lighter. It's interesting also how eyes do change. And, and um, <laughs> See, I don't trust anybody but brown eyed people. That's funny. What if they're whether they used to be brown eyed. So for example, a lot of elderly people, especially um, certain ethnic groups just kind of dominate the brown eyed area of the world. I've noticed as they get older, their eyes get lighter. Huh, I don't, I so I that. like, so I've been in certain parts of the United States where there's a, a more elderly group of like, let's say African Americans or, um, or um, Eastern Indian, Asian Indian. And I'll notice their eyes are almost blue. That's weird. Blue. I haven't, I haven't seen, I, I haven't, I don't, I haven't. Look at your elder, effect. your, your elders out there. You'll see that they tend to have lighter eyes than the younger. Wait, wait, wait. wait. They're, they're younger Chris, children. Are you, are you suggesting that I leave the house? <laughs> Cause that's just a non-starter. So where did you read all this? this turn into green. Is this on the internets? Yeah, I know. But was it a, a rap? Oh yeah, site? no, no, was it, it was. I actually verified it from a couple of different sources because I thought that was really weird. Was any of them scientific? Well, they were all scientific. <laughs> Well, you know, I don't believe in there science. Was, I, I, had, I had to veer <laughs> off though, because I'd, I'd wound, oh my gosh, one of the places I saw this on was some crazy fertility website that was talking about, oh, we can not only test to see if your fetus is going to have blue eyes, or we can also, you know, um, cut those ones out. They're like basically- Oh, right, designer genes. They're advertising, well, not designer genes so much, is that they're going to pre-screen them and just uh, only the embryos of the color choice of, that you choose will be the ones that will That's be implanted. That's so bizarre. Oh, God. It was, it was really kind of gross. <laughs> I was watching this thing. I think I bring this up once in a while because I love this the old reruns of Boston Legal. Oh, yeah. And the, the reason I like Boston Legal is because is the show has got to be 12 or 13 years old. At least, isn't it? Maybe older. Maybe. And every single topic... It's still valid today. Nothing's changed. We have not improved our culture at all in the last 15 years. I wouldn't say it's worse, but it's definitely not any better. (laughs) Well, the old days were always better, right? Maybe. Someday, like 20 years from now, people are going to say, I remember 2005 was the best time, best time for America. (laughs) It's always that way. But no, um, I'm going to nerd out on you a little bit on Boston Legal. I didn't watch it. I watched a couple of episodes and it looked like a great show, but you know, short attention span. I, I only have so much attention, so I never really watched it as an ongoing thing. I always thought it was curious though that they had not one, but two former Star Trek actors in their cast. Do you know them? Well, obviously. William Shatner. William Shatner. I mean, that's one of the reasons I even watch the show is because William no, Shatner. Crazy. Really? That makes you watch his show. He, he is an entertaining actor. That's true, I guess. I mean, he Except does things TJ actors was, don't do. He's so outrageous. It's nor it seems TJ Hooker was terrible, wasn't it? Well, I would like to comment on that. It was so boring to me. I never saw a full episode. Okay. All my friends go. talked about it. Oh, I'm like, uh, not my show. I mean, that is, if you want to see. But I was also interested in other things at that time. I was, all, it was all about skating okay. at that time. I'm just saying it, it was a really bad show. Um, who oh, was yeah, the other oh, guy? Uh, I don't remember his, the actor's name, but it's the guy who played Odo from Deep, Deep, Deep Space Nine. He was also on Benson. He was the, so he's had a Oh, right. The guy from Benson. His name is, I'm going to say this terrible. Rene O'Bears and yeah. um, He's a really good actor, but he disappeared after a couple, after four, oh, did he? three or four seasons. Okay. They kind of replaced him. Both after three or four. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good run. But I always, I always wonder, I mean, did, were there any insight? He just died recently also. Yeah, I think he died last year or a year or two ago. Yeah, pretty recently. But yeah, I think he was relatively old. I can't believe you remember Benson. I used to love Benson. Well, you know, I did have a period of time when I was a young child and I was watching TV. No one talks about Benson. Is That's, it because he it was a pretty funny African American guy who was a butler? Is that like was taboo now? Well, I, I mean, he like wasn't the, just a butler for anybody. He's a no, butler for the governor. Was, I, I mean, that's, I, I, I would remember. take that job. Okay, I haven't seen this show in probably 30 years, but I remember, I thought he was like the chief of staff or something. Oh I don't my think God. he was a butler. I think he was the chief of staff or something. Right. I'm going to sound like a racist. Well, that goes along with your look. <laughs> I'm kidding. Come on. Only as that's my a good eyes, joke, though. Only as, well, I got to tell you, <laughs> as true. my eyes get lighter and lighter, the more crap I get for being white. When I had darker Whitey. eyes, no one- Well, it's probably the old thing, too. Well, the old thing, and no one gave me crap about being a racist when I had long hair. As soon as I cut my hair to be businessy, Business a little man. more modern, I'm a jerk. No doubt. Say was I, I wonder if there are any inside Star Trek jokes on the show. 
because I only watched a couple of episodes. And they did tons of those, but they didn't really do jokes about other shows that they were on. I think, I'm, I'm guessing William Shatner was like, uh, can we lay off the Star Trek jokes? Maybe. But they did do a lot of jokes about their own show. Mm-hmm. So like at the beginning of her, I remember like it was like the, the third or fourth episode of one of the seasons, they introduced a new character and William Shatner says, well, you can't, you can't be coming to this office because they would never introduce somebody new mid-season. <laughs> fourth wall. <laughs> Right. And then also, um, almost every season they made a joke about whether they were going to be back <laughs> next season. You always knew it was the last episode because they made a joke about the up and coming. It's so sad when, the, when the, the TV shows know that they're on the chopping blocks and they, they try to get to do desperate stuff and they have like have a cliffhanger ending and they, you know, it's sometimes it's really obvious. I remember there's a series called, uh, was it the 4,400? I think it was a 4,400. It was a sci-fi show. It was a pretty good show in the first couple of seasons, but then it devolved, you know, as most... I watched it. You're right. It just kind of... And that last season was so over the top. It was clear they were just... Desperate. Desperately trying to get more viewership. <laughs> and it was just so sad. And it, I think it ended mid-season. This and brings, you know what? I didn't even care. You know what like, this brings me to? crap. What? You, don't you know? No. The shark. The shark? Fonzie. <laughs> uh, jumping the shark? Yeah. Where he literally, it comes from literally him jumping a shark and you know that that's, that's when the show really took a dive. Right. I don't know. It, I people never, might not understand that reference. Go ahead and go, lay it all out there, James. I don't remember the actual episode. Do you remember the actual episode? Oh yeah, I do. Cause okay. I was like, oh my God, Fonzie's got shorts on. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> See, that's why you need to describe it because I forgot that. <laughs> so they're in California, right? And their, their, their ratings are going down for the first time ever. We're talking about Happy Days, by the way, which was probably... Out of all the shows I ever watched as a kid, it was the the only show I would be very mad if I missed. Mm-hmm. I had to watch Happy Days, and um, but I didn't, you know, I knew nothing about ratings till years later. But I just remember they went to California, and the, I guess the whole point was to try to get ratings back. And they had Henry Winkler on. Uh, water skis and I I was a water skier by the way as a kid and I'm like oh my god not only is he wearing shorts but he's a water skier like me like maybe I could be like the Fonz he's still wearing his leather jacket though right of course and a white so t-shirt he's, like he's, I'm wearing today he's water skiing yes in cut off denim shorts <laughs> no 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 they're just no, regular shorts they? okay I don't remember I'm just I'm making the picture but yeah 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 and, and and a leather jacket and a leather That's jacket freaking nuts and he's not he's not wet at all he's he's water skiing dry which I don't know how. Anyways, he goes over a jump, and of course, Ron Howard, who is um, Cunning, uh, R- Richie Cunningham, Cunningham in the in the in the in the sitcom, he's like, "No, don't do it, Fonz, don't do it." And then Ralph, um, he's, which is another character in the story, he's all, he's like, "Yeah, yeah." They're all all of his buddies are like, "No, no, don't do it." He's like, "Ay," and he does the thing where he rubs. I really remember the episode pretty you well. Do. I don't want to go into all the details. If you really want to see it, go watch it. It's on IMD. I think it's on um, IMDb. It should be on Netflix. If that's not on Netflix, that's a crime. And Netflix is kind of restricted. Yeah, st- it is. It's yeah. They're not all the cool shows are gone. You have to watch them with commercials now on other streamlines. Streamlines. Stream. If you're an old man, sure. <laughs> streaming services. Streaming services. That's so funny. I never really put that together. Streaming services and trying to. Old men are also worried about their stream. Oh. <laughs> How did you go there? I can make fun of old people now because I'm one of them. <laughs> wow. Before I would never, as a, as a young man, I would never make fun because I respect them so much. But now that I'm one of them, I have no respect for them. <laughs> and this they're still older than me. I, if you're over the age of 70, you still have my full respect. Oh, come on. Get out. <laughs> um, blue eyes? Green eyes? All oh, right, right. Genetics? Science. Science? Yeah, I don't believe in science at all. See, this I, is this is the thing that kind of piqued my interest when we were talking about it. You said that you didn't believe in genes. Like, okay, that's so I did a little bit more research, and the, the that's where the blue eyes and green eyes thing came up. So, but I don't believe that, anything that, is, that science has to say. I don't understand that at all. I mean, science is basically everything you have on your lap right now is 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 thanks to science. Do you, do I, you, I disagree. Okay, you don't think the computer is is, is the, the? Do you think technology is science? Uh, technology is the application of science. Yeah, see, I don't see it that way. No, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. Here, here's, here's the thing. I loved science as a kid. I read everything there was, and I would do experiments in the scientific method. You come up with a hypothesis, and you, anyways, I would buy, get these science kits. Um, I, I loved all these kits. that you, They were really popular when I was a kid, kits. And then <clears throat> I had the full chemistry kit, and my... Uh, Someone had told me that my uncle used to have a science kit too, and it had actually—I think we talked about this once—actually had 
a piece of uranium in the in the kit. That might explain some things. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> for him or for everybody? Oh, uh, you. Uh, anyway. I didn't have one of these. And then as I became older, everything was like, well, what's the science behind it? What's the science behind it? And as I get older and older, and the science keeps telling me, yeah, everything we told you before is wrong. And, okay. and oh, yeah. I see where this is. And that is. stuff from the 50s, yeah, that was wrong, too. No. And, well, hey, but by the way, what we told you in the 30s, what we I've come to the point where I'm like, okay, science is a bunch of crap. I, I think I see what the problem is. Well, there are two problems here. First of all, science is always refining itself. Science never promises to be the final answer on any given topic, unless they have, there, there are a few areas but where- But scientists claim that they no, are. No, 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 no. The people who write about science claim that, not the scientists themselves. Science is, there are, there are a few areas where science is, quote, settled, but in, in the most cases, uh, scientists understand that they are working on a continuum. And what they know today is truer than what they knew yesterday and will be not as true as what they know tomorrow. So it's a continuing understanding of truth, absolute truth. Um, the other problem, I think the bigger problem, though, is that once a journalist gets a hold of the scientific data, they don't really know what to do with it. So they because tend they're to, not scientists. Because they're not scientists and because they want to write a headline that people will read. So they tend to try to find a story in the science rather than just the science in the science. And the story that they generate is usually not very well informed by the science. And I read scientific journals and, for example, I mean, I don't know if it's scientific, but just as a lightweight science is um, I get National Geographic, I get the Smithsonian, I read those. There's a lot of things that I don't really believe, but I still read about them. And, and I, I just can't read anything scientific and say, oh, I didn't know that. I, all I can think is, oh, so is that what the guy thinks? I mean, it's, it's not real to me. I was having a similar discussion with my nephew uh, about a year ago and he says, well, what about medicine? I'm like, I believe in medicine, but I don't believe medicine is science. It may be in the United States, but it's, there's medicine that's been practiced for thousands of years, well before there was science or the, even the word science used as we know it today. And it was still called medicine. Well, that, okay. So that wasn't derived with the scientific method necessarily, but that's still kind of science. It's, it's basing what you observe in the universe, what you observe in nature and seeing what works and what doesn't work and using what works. That's kind of a, a more, uh, simplistic version of science, but it also it's undeniable. I mean, the humans live without the scientific method for hundreds of thousands of years. Of course, I would argue that life has gotten a lot better since we've rigorized uh, the scientific method. I think you, in fact, I would say directly correlated to the scientific method is the development uh, and stability of human civilization and culture. I don't know. The, the thing is about, I truly believe someday people will use the word science as as a word, like we use classic, you know, in the classical time, classic this, classic that. I think someday people will say, you know, back in the day when there was science. <laughs> so this, this is the day uh, we when our, our cell phones no longer work and we're using rocks I have no idea when it'll be. I can't predict the future, but I really think um, how we use the word science today and someday in the future, I'm talking maybe millennials maybe they're gonna look back and go, oh yeah back in the day when people used to it's like mythology it's a fancy new mythology uh, uh, well uh, there, there might be some truth in what you're saying as far as to how people use the word science to people use it differently and it means different things to different people unfortunately you know language is not a static uh structure it changes and it means different things to different people so depending upon how you're using science again science is just a search for what works essentially and what is true. So I, I believe one should strive for truth, but I don't think science gives you truth. Well, not necessarily All on science, a moralistic, not, not necessarily on a moralistic stance, but just as a, as, as a way of inter interpreting the na na the natural world world around us. Wow. I can, but I can sit, I can sit in the middle of the forest and make observations that are very predictable for future mm -hmm. times. I wouldn't call that science. Well, if you're predicting, the more scientific the method is, the more accurate you'll be. That's the point. Yeah. Well, now we're talking about scientific method and there's trying something over and over and over again in the hopes that you discover a pattern, I don't think is really a true definition of science. That's just, that's just being alive and oh, having well, a okay. knack for observing. That's, you know, would you consider Darwin a scientist? Maybe, but he was more of a naturalist. Well, he was, well, they're, 
they're, the they're naturalist is just he, a guy he, who can observe things well, that are is, obvious. This is what he did. This is the the basis of science has to be observation. You have to start by looking at nature and understanding what you're seeing, or or not understanding necessarily in a scientific method, but but at least defining the what you're looking at. So observation is the base of science. If you're not, if you don't have the observational base, you can't really do science. You can do all kinds of experiments you want, but they're not going to be, what are they going to be based on? So observation is the base level of science. And then once you have the vocabulary to know what you're talking about, then you can start to make theories about why something is. Why are the squirrels on this side brown and the other side they're red? Uh, and that's where you can do some experimentation to try to figure out why that is. So this, the scientific- And that's right where the flaw is. You can do a hundred experiments and they can a hundred percent of the time come out the same. We call that a law. <laughs> you know, you have the right. And in 25 years down the line, someone says, yeah, you know, uh, when you did that experiment, there was a couple flaws there. So yes. that's, so that's why I say when someone tells me about something in science, this is scientifically proven. I'm like, still don't believe it. Well, you, <laughs> well you, it's not, it's not absolute. Like I said, there are very few areas of cell science. So when I say a scientific a new scientific idea or a theory, I was like, oh, that's interesting, but I know it's not going to be the final word on it. This is this is our current understanding of it. I hear what you're saying. Like I said. So I don't think I don't think of it as uh, a religion. You know, I don't look at science as But people as being, do. Well they're, they're foolish. like that's foolish. It's, if it's if it is scientifically proven, you know, we need to guide our lives by that. And I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Well, we have to guide some of our lives by that. I mean, if we have No, I, I disagree. But you just said it a second ago. We've been around this planet for a long, long time. And we're and trying to make it better. So we now know that wearing masks is better than not wearing masks. Once again, I'm not buying it. <laughs> okay. I mean, there are studies and you don't have to wear your mask if you want to, but I think the studies are pretty compelling compar- com- uh, combined with some of... Now, don't, I like wearing a mask, just not for... <laughs> yes, I guess. You know why I like wearing a mask. <laughs> so people don't recognize you. I, I think we're being spied on. <laughs> well, I think we are being spied on. I mean, that's... Yeah, which is why I think... Well, I, don't have a ring, I don't have a ring doorbell, so nobody's watching you now. Oh, right. But my neighbors <laughs> all have those. Little, yeah, then they're watching the camera. You. Yeah. Well, anyways, the, the whole thing with masks, just uh, going off on the side like we always do. I love that. I don't believe in the conspiracy, because you know I do believe in some conspiracies. I don't believe that someone has started this. Well, there are some conspiracies in the world. To force us to wear masks, because I, at least from a government agency, because I know for a fact the government does not want us to wear masks. Well, if there was a conspiracy to get us to wear masks, you'd think they would have been re- they would have stockpiled the masks and be, been ready to sell them when there was a demand for them. That's true. That's that true. was, I think, one of the real shocking things. How, how many months went past before you could reasonably buy a, a reasonable mask and not some shady thing off of Amazon? I have plenty of masks. Okay, yeah, but not everyone does. <laughs> I'm just saying. It took so, a long time. This, uh, this is not. The, I'm not trying to prove a point. It's just a kind of an oddity. So I work in the garage, and I kick up some dust when I'm doing my projects. One time, I bought a box filled with boxes <laughs> of. 500 masks. I've been using them like crazy since March. So we're going, coming close to a year. I'm nowhere near to the end. Yeah. (laughs) And I keep seeing the prices of things. I'm thinking, I think I bought, I think I bought like 5,000 masks for the price (laughs) of those 10. (laughs) I couldn't believe how high masks went. I mean, I should, it's, it's, it's a capitalistic society we live in. You should resold those. You know, it crossed my mind. I was starting to think, you know, I was scared like everybody else was. And I'm like, you know, maybe I need to hold on to these masks because this pandemic could go on for a long time. Did you buy a lot of toilet paper too? Well, I didn't buy those masks. I just I didn't know, I know sell I'm saying them. though that, you know, you were responding to the but I, No, actually I didn't. Um, Good. Luckily, I know somebody who works at Costco <laughs> and they would just call me when the toilet paper came in. So if I happened to be getting low. I went in one time and they, and we were, this is in the early days and we were literally lined up going in like a, a line of ants one after the other with our carts and it's very un Costco like. So this is a very unusual situation. And there was a guy standing by a pallet of um, toilet paper. And as you passed, you would just put the toilet paper in the basket. Oh, and, really? Yeah. That's hilarious. And I was like, I don't really need this, but I know, whatever, I'll take it. Because I, I never were, had a toilet bear. Pro- if toilet they were low problem. at all, I wouldn't. I would have bypassed it. But they had like several more pallets, and they were clearly not worried about. I kind of laughed at those guys that, that were was awesome that were hoarding toilet paper and then got stuck oh, with spending so thousands dumb. of dollars on paper. It's so dumb. It's like the it's least mean. thing you have to. The last thing you have to worry about is a toilet paper. I know, and, <laughs> which is so funny because and people were fighting over it. <clears throat> People oh no, I saw the videos. 
people were stealing it from each other's from each other's shopping carts. And then there ridiculous. would be people who would go out and buy the entire shop out and fill, fill up their their truck and, and drive off with literally like well literally a truckload of toilet papers. Like, well, where are you going with that? Did you notice the demographics of that? No. I, I tell me if I'm wrong, or maybe you don't know because you didn't notice. It tended to be women, and I, understandably, okay. I think it was. Now women. that you mentioned that, am I wrong? All the videos I recall seeing were of females. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for once, men were not the cause. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like I said. <laughs> oh, right. And it was just, you know, that's just a small cross section. I don't know what that represents. See, I think part of the, the, the good thing about the scientific method is it, it makes you question the information that you're seeing. How valid is this? And this is one of the interesting things. And this is why science, when it comes out of the lab, gets so skewed by journalists. Journal, you know, a scientist will think, oh, we th- this this particular thing that I made works in 15% of the cases that we tried. That's statistically uh, significant. And well, yeah, it's statistically significant, but then a journalist gets his hands on it and says, oh, look at this new miracle drug. It works and it's so great. And it's like, the science is like, well, that's not what I said. It's only 15% effectiveness. This is a totally different ball game. And so when you, when you, yeah, I mean, that's, I guess that's my point. <laughs> just take everything for with a grain of salt. Don't you think the world would be, at least Western world would be a little bit better if they put a little more priority in trying to find truth and, and how they live, how they react with people, if they kind of avoided the science. When I come across people from Eastern culture who put much less emphasis on what the latest trend in science is, they appear to me to be generally maybe not happier, but more content. Mm. No? I don't know. Where, where are you seeing these people? That's true. My little sector of the Eastern world, you know, these are people that are Sikhs, they're Buddhists. They're, oh, that's a whole different ballgame. Well, they because don't strive the, the, all for of science. Asia, all of Asia, or not, Sikhs is a pretty small minority, and, and Muslim, uh, not Muslims, uh, Buddhists, Buddhists uh, <laughs> cover a wide range of actual, it's like saying Christians. I mean, what do you mean by Christian? When you get into California, especially in Los Angeles, in the urban areas, and when you're dealing with a lot of uh, wasp type people, there's this whole group that they're almost like mystics. You know, they're, they're wearing the crystals like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And and they, they talk about your spiritual and then they'll bring up religion and they'll say, you know, the evil, you know, religion is evil, especially organized religion. And I think to myself, um, you don't know very much about religion because some of the biggest religions in the world have no history of violence. <laughs> Which mean, ones are those? Well, Buddhist for one. Oh, that's wrong. That was just flat out wrong. What do you think? So Buddhist, oh, what was that? Country? Now there's violence on Buddhists, no, but not necessarily. No, 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 no. That's a totally excuse. There are, there are violent Buddhists as well. This is, it's a spectrum. It's like Christians. There are some great Christians and there are a lot of bad Christians. Yeah. Just like there are some good Buddhists and you Buddhist. Buddhism is not one monolithic thing. It, no, it, no, it, I, I'm not saying it is. And I can't, remember thing, the, I can't remember there's a country just a couple of years ago that was basically. Um, you're talking about the monks. genocide that they were doing. They were practicing one set of Buddhists was practicing genocide. I can't lose Muslims or something. Yeah, I think it was against Muslims or something. Um, I don't remember the country. It'll be in the show notes though, because I'll look it up. And there was. Um, I think you mean Myanmar. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, it was a Buddhist country that was doing this, and there are some violent Buddhists. There, are absolutely no doubt. But that's about not that. religion. That's nationalism. Because that's it becomes, you know, because it becomes systematized and becomes a standardized quote religion. Well, like you, and anytime it becomes a system and there's a power system in, in, in place, well, then you got power struggles, and it's a power thing. Yeah, but this is anti-Muslim. I think is what it's you're more power about. Th- power thing than a spiritual. I thing. just honestly feel, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but I really feel that. More has been done against humanity in the name of science than it ever has been done in the name of any religion. I would disagree with that. But what 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 has been done to the human race in the name of science? I think it goes on and on. Um, people will do ex- medicine, a scientific. Let's take the CDC right now. The CDC uh. is dictating to everybody what is safe and what is not safe for um, the coronavirus. And it's spread. I think they're absolutely right in the advice that they're giving. But I also think there's other advice from other places that are just as valid that they are dismissing and telling everybody not to do because there's no scientific proof of it. Um, let's just take New York City for right. In New York City, there's been at least one or two doctors out there that have been subscribing 
I think it's zinc and the malarial cure. Medicine? Hydroxychloroquine and an antibiotic. <sighs> By mixing those two together, they've seemed to have a pretty big success, but the CDC keeps shutting those doctors down, saying it's not working, you can't be telling it to people. But yet at the same time, as far as what's been reported, everybody seems to be having a, a very good success rate, better than better than what's been happening in the hospitals. Well, and the CDC it, I think the right now is in a little bit of a tight spot. No, it's more than a tight spot. I mean, it's been politicized over the past couple of years, especially this past year. And it's not pure science as it, as it used to be. Uh, and that's a problem with a lot of our institutions over the past more than few years. Um, the FAA is this, I mean, the FAA was the gold standard for flight safety. And they well, this did a really insane. crummy job with that uh, a 737 MAX. I mean, that was, that was their failing as much as Boeing's. I mean, they're both to blame for that. We used to have these gold standards uh, systems that was based on science and engineering technology and trying to be objective as possible. But they become as they become more politicized, they become more useless and worthless. But don't you think science has always been somewhat? It gets politicized, but the, you know, you look at the core of it, just like Buddhism. If you look at the core of Buddhism, Buddhism is a remarkable. I, I hesitate to even call it religion, but a remarkable set of beliefs. Uh, but then once you take it and make it into a system like, oh, well, now you have Tibetan Buddhism or you have Indonesian Buddhism. There are different strains of it and it becomes systematized and it becomes a, a block of power. It becomes a, a power structure and then people abuse it. So, yes, you can certainly use, you can have bad science. You can have, you can have things that are done in, quote, the, the um, spirit of science for scientific exploration. The Nazis certainly did that. But is that really science? In my mind, it's not. It's it's just a, a different form of torture, and where they they put a, 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 a they try to slap on the, the science uh, badge on it to make it look more. Uh, I don't acceptable. know how to turn this into a lighter conversation, James. <laughs> <laughs> we talked too we we talked too much damn much. I that is a scientific fact. <laughs> I'll tell you some science. I do. I I would be interested in reading about right now. Yes. Better coffee makers. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, like uh, automatic coffee makers? Yeah. I think the coffee technology has not gotten better over the time. The better, the, the, every time there's a new gadget out there, it never seems to produce coffee. That's better than yes. the old school French press. French press. I just love the old French press. And the, I, if you do it right, you can have inexpensive coffee taste amazing. And if you get a good coffee, it's even better. I'm not a coffee connoisseur by any means, but I think you're right on that. And I don't think that th these machines, I have a Keurig, I admit, and it's just for the convenience of it. Uh, and I don't have a s sophisticated enough palate to really care that I'm not making the best possible coffee. But the convenience of it and the fact that I can buy 90 pods <laughs> at one time from 90 Costco. 90 pods of plastic. <laughs> yes, I don't care. It's such a small amount. I mean, it's really not. I mean, this is, it's less... Less material than you'd get if you go to Starbucks and get one of their cups because their cups are lined with what? Plastic. So they're non-recyclable and they have to go in the bin. So it's actually considerably more environmentally I don't think I friendly. Knew that. There's plastic on the inside of the Starbucks coffees? Otherwise, you think paper will hold water by itself? I actually always thought that was wax. <laughs> wax melts. It's plastic. Interesting. And wax would melt into your drink. Yet another reason not to go to Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're in Oregon, in Portland, they're probably being burned down, so you won't be able to go them anyway. <laughs> um, do, you have the dis do, you, do you have the recyclable cup that you used to be able to bring in that you can't bring in anymore? No, but I have been in Starbucks maybe once or twice, and I when I'm in there, and I, I never take it away, I just ask for a mug. They give me a mug. I mean, I don't, I don't keep they it. Charge I, you. I, no, no, I give it back to them. But uh, I say, can I, instead, oh, oh, of right. getting, instead of getting this in a disposable cup, do you have a mug? And I don't know if this is universal, but the place I went to, they said, yeah, here's the mug. Just, you know, leave it on the table or whatever when you're done with it. So I brought, I brought it back to the counter. You know, I don't think I knew Starbucks had mugs anymore. Well, if you I feel like you always have to bring you in your true, own and forget it. If you're a true environmentalist <laughs> and scientist like myself, <laughs> you will go the extra mile to simply ask. I bring my own mug, but okay. now they won't let me. Oh, really? Because scientifically, uh, I might be spreading diseases. That sucks. Well, it, it seems like this has not been reported very much, but uh, not much. It, there were some reports to follow up on the spreading of it. Uh, initially, we were all super worried about contact surfaces. Yeah. And then scientific reports showed out that, you know, well, that's really not a, a vector of transmission as much as it was initially thought. No one really talks about that anymore, but it apparently isn't really much of a vector for transfer of the virus. So you don't really have to worry about washing. I can't imagine any disease being passed easily with boiling hot water. 
<laughs> well, it's the mugs and you're holding the mug. And people and, have been boiling water to clean it long yeah. before science Yeah, but you're around. not putting your hands in the boiling water. <laughs> Unless you are, Chris. Are you? <laughs> but the, Only the, your hand, James. <laughs> you know, they are kind of cold. I wouldn't mind that so much. Um, the point about coffee, though, is I, I think generally speaking, you're right. I think that the machines are getting better at making coffee-like I have beverages. an idea for a new machine. Can I finish? Yes. I, wanna, I, I don't know. I, I feel so rude when I say that because you never say that to me. I cut, we, all, we both cut each other off, but I'm the only one who says, <laughs> I always cut it out when you say you cut me off. Oh, really? That's, That's the way I cut you out. Fantastic. <laughs> it makes me sound so much Can less I like a jerk. Clip. Do you see how to put up with him? He's like a hyena. <laughs> oh my god! This is, this is just the stroke part, not the heat. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Maybe not. Why would you be sorry? Anyway, um, that's the coffee. As I was trying to say, for so rudely interrupted <laughs> by the hyena. I think, as I said, that the machines are getting better at making coffee-like drinks. Not necessarily coffee, but coffee is, um, is a complicated beverage and you know, you want to get a good bean and you want to get a good roast. And these are things that do not last forever. That's the faster you can, you can get this from roasting into your mouth, the, the better off you are. So none of these machines are really going to do, are never going to be able to do the same kind of job as if you buy your own beans Roast them yourself at home just to the way you like it and oh, then right. immediately brew them. Uh, then nothing will compare to that. And no. a simple brewing like a, a French press, again, you can't beat that. Or a pour over, the simplest techniques are the best because this is a perishable and you need to treat it like a perishable. Yeah. It's, it's not like you're trying, you know, you're not, you don't have, I'm not buying little pods of steak that I put in the machine and then eat the machine and eat, eat that. Or is it, so coffee, it's okay because there's it's not much, you know, maybe, maybe it is. Someday, because I know you're an inventor. Someday I want to show you my little gadget idea maybe we can put it together we can call it heat stroke <laughs> anyways until then i'm gonna i'm gonna i gotta get home my coffee's been gone for a long oh, while man that's terrible i don't know why do you say you should just leave as soon as your coffee is done i thought about it but i didn't want to be rude <laughs> <laughs> what well, you didn't want to be rude that's weird hmm. james thanks so, so much for having me. well thanks for coming over thanks for having me too bye-bye if you'd like to contact heat stroke Go to HeatstrokePodcast.com. The sun is out, the sun is out, so bright. Won't you come on out, it's making light, light and bright for you. Don't you see me? Take a boo. Don't you feel me? It's morning dew. All I want is a cup. Yes. A very large cup. Yes. In my hand. Yes. A large cup. Hot. Warm. Oh. Cup. It's not tea. And it must be dark, dark brown. Oh, it's very brown. Make it hot, make it hot, make it very, very hot coffee. So I just really want to quickly tell you about a product that I use at my house. It's it's called Perfection Floor Tile. It's a do-it-yourself product. So it's great right now because you can do it at your own home, at your own time. You don't have to wait for a contractor. It just kind of locks together. It's this beautiful square vinyl tile. And what's great about it, it's a little bit softer than most tiles. So it's really great on your feet, especially if you're a guy like me who sits on the phone at work all day or in his home office pacing back and forth. Um, you can find it all kinds of places. It's available at hardware stores and home improvement stores. It's Perfection Floor Tile. Go ahead and check it out. It's absolutely beautiful.